Amen. Can I have a very, very warm welcome to everyone who's bravely tough to come to church this morning. Uh, God is good. Uh, my name is Taiwo. I'm one of the elders here in Emmanuel, currently based out in Qatar, and been around over the weekend, um, just having some wonderful time together. And we have been exploring the, the, the theme of welcome home and looking at the passage in scriptures from the book of Luke chapter 15, from verses 11 to 32. Uh, and I'm mindful that there might be some of us who are here this morning who haven't been to any of the previous three meetings, uh, but I think they've all recorded and online, so please feel free to, to share in that. But this morning, I'm going to be speaking on the theme, Season of Repentance. Season of Repentance. Uh, and in some ways, uh, summarizing really what I felt the Lord has been sharing with us and really impressing upon our heart over the course of this weekend. Uh, and I see uh, a sort of prophetic insight into that for us as individuals, as well as for us as a community of God's people, and for what God is going to be doing, even as we move on now, where we're going to be seeing a repentance starting first with us, that's submitting our heart, our lives, our mind, our intellect, and everything that we have and we have completely and absolutely to the Lord, and the Lord taking that and begin to cause even that to spread across uh, our nation and, and, and the continent and the world at large. And we are in a, you know, quite an interesting season, even in the whole world at the moment, and things are just unfolding, and some of it is just it's hard to tell where things will go. But even in all of this, as Alan shared, God is not taken by surprise. A sovereign God rules and reigns over the affairs of the lives of men. And I see an opportunity in God, even in this time, for God to begin to undo uh, and begin to bring about a season of repentance and restoration of the prodigals, the older brothers, and the lifting up of the household of God so that all will begin to drift and begin to come into the place of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if we have that passage, I'm just quickly going to read that. Um, I'm here with Tyra, my wife. She's going to come and quickly bring a, a blessing and a song, and then we'll take off into the Word. But we'll, if, you, if you're here with me, just open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 15. It's always beautiful to read the Word of God together as a congregation. It's a long passage, but we'll try and run through it. John chapter 15 from verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. 
And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Next. Yeah, thanks. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, it had music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Oh, your brother's come, he replied. And your father's killed the fattened calf because he has them back safe and sound. But all the brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my mates, with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Taya, will he come? Good morning. Um, I've been told I have to share a summary of what's happened so far. So here we go. Um, so we've been out for about 15 months and we have moved a lot in our lives. This is definitely, this has not been one of the easiest of moves, but we've moved believing and trusting that this is what God wanted us to do. So far, we've had many highs and lows and um, but many things to be thankful to God for. Uh, God has exposed to me some prejudices that I had that I didn't know I had, but also God stretched us to trust him and pray for things that we, we had in times taken for granted while we were living here. And um, also, it's also helped us to trust God to still be a witness for him in an environment where you can't openly proclaim and declare that Jesus is Lord, but just trust that somehow he will show his, um, himself through you. Uh, I have one testimony, well, that's been coming to my heart to share repeatedly, so I will just go with it. So when we went, it was that we we're going to be in temporary accommodation for three months, but five months down the line, we were still in the same place, and it wasn't the greatest. The kids were sharing a room, but it was fine. It brought them closer together and all that stuff. But, <laughs> but um, one 
day, it broke my heart when Ebon cried and said, I don't want to be here. So in fear and trepidation, I asked, what do you mean you don't want to be here? You want to go back to Durham or the accommodation? It was that she didn't want to stay anymore in, in the accommodation. So eventually, uh, we kept praying, and we know that the church here was praying as well. Um, in May, they offered us accommodation. Taiwan and I went, but we knew it was a compromise. It wasn't really what we were trusting and believing God for. But there was also the fear that if you didn't accept it, you might not get another one. And I remember one Christian family friend said, well, you know, if you don't take it, you don't know how long you will get another one. But the Holy Spirit reminded me that many years ago I had compromised and I'd made the family compromise on taking something that wasn't exactly what we were trusting and believing God for. Even though in God in his mercy made everything to work out for good, but for him to have reminded me like that, I felt that was quite um, important. And Taiwan, the kids felt that, no, this is not what we're trusting God for. So we said, thank you very much, we'll wait. So anyway... See, uh, Taiwan went back with the kids to brought them over for summer, and then this was almost two months after we were still waiting for accommodation and thinking, oh God, maybe we should have just settled for that. So on the way to work, I remember this, it was probably in July, I was the only one there, I'd been the only one there for about three, four weeks, and I was like, oh God, please can't you just give us accommodation? And I had the Holy Spirit say, why are you begging me? You don't have to beg me. I will do what I'll do. So I repented again and submitted everything into God's hand. But later on that evening or that afternoon, we got the word that God had given us accommodation. So that's just my testimony and take from it as God will bless you. But... And another thing is that for many months, I kept on saying, God, why can't we just go back until I had God say, that was last year, that stop asking me, why can't we go back? Just get on with what you're doing here. This is where you're supposed to be. Um, So I think that's my summary. (laughs) Yes, right. So I just have one more song to sing. Turn our hearts, O Lord, like rivers of water. Turn our hearts, O Lord, by your hand. Oh, 
Yes, Lord, that's the cry of our heart this morning, Lord. That you will turn our hearts, Lord. That, Lord, you will do a deep walk within us. That you will call us out of superficiality. You will call us out of mundaneness. You will call us out of lukewarmness. But you will set our hearts on fire for you. Thank you because the Bible says you do not judge as men judge. You look in the heart. You deal with us in our heart, Lord. You search our heart. The psalmist says, search my heart, Lord. Search my heart, Lord. Search my heart, Lord. Search our hearts, Lord. Tonight, this morning, Lord, as we gather in your presence... Will you shine the light of your word upon our hearts, Lord? Will you set your gaze upon our hearts? Will you cause each one of us to focus on our heart, Lord? We'll not be distracted by the brother, sister, by our side. We'll not be distracted by the things that are going around us. We'll not be distracted by the things that we've projected to men. But Lord, this morning, will you focus the eyes of our mind upon our hearts. The Bible says, as we behold your word, you give us a reflection. You give us an opportunity to see ourselves for who we truly are through the reflection of your word, through the prism, through the lens of your spirit. And so, Lord, as we come this morning, the desire of our heart is that we will come back to that place where you have taken home in our hearts, where you're resident, where your lordship and your authority, and your rule, and your dominion is prominent, and it's definite, Lord. And Lord, everything that has got in the way, 
Everything that has stood in your way, Lord. Everything that has distracted us. Everything that has lured us away. Everything that has caused us to drift apart. Everything that has caused us to lose the essence of what you want to do in and through us. That makes us a people of the heart. We ask this morning, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, will you begin to dismantle them? Will you begin to help us to recognize what we need to do so that we come to that place when we can make a decision to lay our hearts and our lives once again for you? As we received the message of the gospel and submitted ourselves to it, we became saved. And we continue to work out our salvation as we open our ears to the truth of your word and we continue to submit to the truth of your word so that your word continues to produce the fruit of life and of godliness in us until you appear in Lord. So Father, come this morning. Come this morning, Lord. Take my words, Lord. Speak to us in a way that only you can. Lord, cause your people not just to hear my voice, but to hear your voice in my voice. To hear the voice of your spirit, putting your fingers, speaking into recesses, into hidden corners. Lord, will you just shine the light, Lord. Shine the light. Shine the light upon our hearts, Lord. And that each one of us will come away from this place knowing that we have encountered you, we have encountered your truth, your truth has brought revelation that is setting up on a path to more and increasing freedom and intimacy with you, our Heavenly Father. We give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at the theme of repentance and we look at that story we have read, I'm sure it's a story that many of us are familiar with, and we spent quite a bit of time over the weekend kind of exploring the story about this father and his two sons, looking at the youngest son and the oldest son, their relationship and their interaction with the father. At the heart of this story is the challenge of submitting our will, desire, and wisdom to the father's perspective. At the heart of this story is about perspective. The children's perspective of their father and the father's perspective. The two sons disagree with their father's perspective. They see no sense of wisdom in staying within the father's perspective. What happens to us when there is a clash of perspectives? When we fail to appreciate God's perspective... Or we do not see the sense in it. For the younger son, it was an outright rejection of what the father stood for. The father's way of life and the discipline and the way he wants to use his resources. He wanted a different lifestyle. He wanted a different authority. He wanted a different way to work. But for the older son, it's a foolishness and a lack of appreciation in the father's action. And ways of doing things, especially in the way the father interacted with the brother who was returned back home. Sometimes we think we're better or wiser than God. And actually we have a better way to tell him how to do these things. Because in our perspective and in, our, in the way we've 
kind of looked at that situation, we think we have a better way to have dealt with it. And maybe what God is trying to do is not what is the best for us. And oftentimes, that brings the clash. And at the heart of the story is the father's love and compassion engaging his sons, both the younger and the older, to bring them into a place where they can hopefully and eventually get the heart of what the father was about. That the father's love was lavish and extravagant, both for both sons. He loved them equally. For the son who has gone away from home, as despised the father, rested his resources, and was living a life that was completely out of the father's desire. The welcome was still always there. And as the son discovered all he needed to do to get back into the father's Love and acceptance was to repent and head back home. That was all the son needed to do. The father did everything else. He says, he came back to his senses, I'll go back to my father. In his mind, it was not even worthy to be a son. It should just be like one of the hired helps. But the father had a different mindset. But as the father saw him, even from afar, he ran to him. And he blessed him, he restored him, he clothed him with honor, he put the ring of authority upon him, he spoke kindness and compassion, he spoke welcome, and he threw a lavish celebration to let the son have no doubt that he was restored and he was welcome in his father's house. And to the older brother, it was the same, the father entreated him. While the celebration was going on and the rejoicing was going on, he was outside in the cold, despondent, upset, angry, and felt completely abandoned by this father whom he thinks, I've served you and I've done everything right. Why have you left me out? And why would you be attending to this younger son who has not done any of that? But the father says, son, son, you've always been with me and all that I have. It's yours. But it's still important to restore your brother home. And he had to help the older brother to get the father's perspective. That the factor that I love your younger brother and I'm throwing this lavishness is not a sign that I'm rejecting you. I don't care about you. Actually, all I have is yours. Your love and, my, and everything I've got is already available for you. And sometimes some of us are like this older brother. We've never really gone away from home. But what's the state of our heart? Do we get God's perspective? Have we lost the intimacy and the perspective of the father? Do we feel like a son in a father's house? Or do we almost feel like one of his hired helps? It's interesting that the one who was away was more more than happy to come back and be a hired help. But the one who was at home actually lived like a hired help. And in either way, it just broke the father's heart. Because all the father wants is for his sons and his daughters to know the joy and the lavishness that he's called us into. We've sang so beautifully today how Jesus went on the cross. Jesus did not go to the cross so that we can become like hired help in our father's house. Jesus went to the cross so that he can bring sons and daughters to glory. That he can get us engrafted into 
the kingdom of God. The Bible says, as many as received him, he gave them powers to become the sons and the daughters of the living God. To become sons and daughters of God. That is the purpose why Jesus came. That is the reason why he hung on that tree for you and I. That is the reason why he endured the cross. And this morning, maybe you're here. And you have rejected the Father. And say, I want nothing to do with God. I don't understand what he's doing in the world. I don't understand all this. And you have all this intellectual debate about him. Will you come back to your senses this morning? And let your heavenly Father reveal his heart to you and show you the true nature of your heavenly Father. So this morning, the Father welcomes the prodigals home. If you're a prodigal and you're here this morning, there's no better time than to come back home. Because your father is looking out for you. Your father is eagerly awaiting your return. Your father cannot wait to welcome you to a lavish party and bring you back into all that he has ever desired and wanted for you. And if that is you this morning, I want you to begin to commune with God in your heart this morning. There is a welcome prepared for you. There is a welcome by your heavenly Father for you this morning. And he doesn't want you to leave this place without laying hold of that. And I trust the spirit of the living God is bringing a conviction, is bringing a revelation, is bringing a sort of coming to your senses in order for you to lay hold of the revelation and truth of God. And you might be saying, well, I, you know, I, I don't know how this is going to work. I've been away for so long, you know, where do I start? Bear in mind, the father did not say, you know, when you come back after one year of intensive Bible study and attending all the prayer meetings and, you know, showing all those works to prove to me that you are worthy to be a son, then maybe we might consider whether you're truly deserving of being a son in your father's house. No. All the father wanted was that repentant heart. So what does it mean to, to repent? It's basically to turn around, to say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done before. To acknowledge, like Psalm 51, verse 3 to 4 says, that to you alone have I sinned and done this evil. Acknowledging that that sinful act is towards God. And the son recognized that. And the psalmist says that. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. But he's actually not waiting to condemn us and to cast us away. The judgment of God is that on that cross, it was finished. The prize for our transgressions, the judgment for our sin, he's laid upon himself. And all he offers us as he welcomes home is the righteousness of Christ outworking in our lives so that we can come into the fullness of all that he has for us. And it's the same for the older son. So what are some of those helpful things when we think about repentance? What are some of the ingredients that help with true repentance? You need to own up. You need to be transparent and be honest and say, Lord, this is, this is where I am. This is the way it is. Sometimes you need to be specific because sometimes, and I'm trusting that this morning, that the Lord will actually put his fingers on certain areas of our lives. Sometimes with the younger son, it's easy to see because it's so obvious. 
that you're just living in rebellion and not working with him. But sometimes as the holder son, that's a bit more subtle. Because it's an issue of the heart. Because nobody says it. It's an issue of the heart. And it's only when you come in contact with certain situations, then what's inside comes forth. And that's why with the older brother, you will have thought him and saying, oh, it was great relationship with the father, everything was going well. But when the situation with his younger brother came forth, suddenly you're like, ooh, and you're like, where did that come from? And that's why I prayed at the beginning this morning, the Lord wants to do stuff in our heart. Because for us, especially as believers, we can easily fall into that place of the older brother. And not recognize some of these things in us. But it hinders us and it prevents us from enjoying the fullness of all that the Father has for us. There are times in life that we go through challenges and things happen to us that has got nothing to do with us. The enemy throws things away. You know, we get through different challenges just because we live in a fallen world and it's just part of what it is. Even Jesus said to his disciples, he says, in the world, you will have tribulations, you will have challenges. But be of good cheer because I will overcome and I will be with you. But there are also times, actually, that we find our place, I mean, sorry, we find ourselves in a place that is not what the Father truly wants for us because of our own actions. And when we look at the story, we see an example of that. That younger son was in want. That younger son was in a desperate place. Not because the father didn't love him. Not because the father didn't care for him. Not because the father's heart was not breaking every day to bring him into the fullness of all the father wanted. He was in that place of almost desperation and almost losing his life just because he walked in rebellion and he would not submit to the will of his father. The older brother who should be enjoying the abundance of the blessing of being in the house was in a place of anguish and anger and bitterness and the sense of being abandoned and not being cared for by God, a place of, why is God doing this to me? Why am I in this place? Not because God had abandoned him or God had allowed that to happen to him, but just because of the place of his own heart. And sometimes we don't like to hear this, but it's the truth of God's word. Sometimes the reason why we are where we are is because of the actions or inactions that we have taken. That is not a voice of condemnation. No, it's a voice of awakening. To say, no, it need not be so. Because your father's heart is for you. Your father's heart is for you. It need not be so. There is enough challenges and battles that the enemy brings across us as we walk the path that Christ has ordained for us, as we, as we carry our cross and seek to follow him, there is enough challenges that life throws at us. The last thing you want is to put yourself in a place where you are there just because you will not submit to the will and to the counsel and to the perspective of your heavenly father. That's like suffering in the midst of plenty. That breaks your father's heart. How many of us who are fathers, who have children, sometimes we see our children doing the wrong things and we're kind of trying to help them and they just won't take it. 
and you can kind of see where this is going. And you're sitting down there thinking, hmm, I know where this is going to end, but no. And then that child eventually gets there, and you think, how I wish I could have saved you from that. But sometimes, even I can do that. Because sometimes that's the consequences of your action. God's love will not always preclude the consequences of our action. But when we come to a place where we begin to learn to share his perspective, then we can align ourselves with his will and with his counsel. And we can allow God to bring that restoration and judgment. But more importantly, it's not just about the younger son or the older son. It's about the father's heart. And I don't know about you. I lost my father when I was three. And I really have no recollection of my father. And growing up, one of the greatest disappointments of my life was not having a father in the house and not knowing that love of a father and just know the care of a father. And I know for some of us, we've actually had fathers, but actually it's not been healthy, if anything at all. It's almost like, I wish I had no father, actually. I'd probably be better without a father than what I've had. But irrespective of that, when I came to the knowledge of Jesus, one of the things that intrigued my life was that God put his finger on that. When I got saved, one of the truths of God that rang in my ears was that God could be my heavenly father. And it amazed me to think this thing that I've struggled with all my teen, you know, all these sort of you know, the turmoil in my head, and, you know, it, it was something I struggled with. If I, it affected my relationship with my mom because I, I just couldn't cope with it. I was just bitter and upset and just felt, why should it be me and all of those things? And yet, when I was coming into salvation, when I was coming to eventually give my heart to the Lord, the first thing the Lord did for me was to give me a picture of saying, I can be to you better than thousands of heavenly fathers will ever be to you. And I can show you a father's love and I can carry you, and I can give you the wisdom, the protection, the provisions, the guidance that a good father brings to their child. And you can find that as you lay your life, and as you seek me, and as you walk with me, and I can do everything that no earthly father would ever be able to match up, because I am your heavenly father. Abba, father, I am your daddy. And to be able to open my mind and be able to say, Abba, father, my father who art in heaven, the joy of knowing that revelation, that truth, set me on a course that has changed the trajectory of my life. And in many, many instances, I have found myself depending absolutely on the fatherhood of God and seeing his love and his care, his affection, his compassion, his guidance come through for me in a way that no earthly father will ever be able to match up. But there are times when I despise that voice. There are times when I drift away from the voice of my fathers. There are some times when I do not pay attention to the affirmation of my father's voice, of his love and his care and his assurance for me. When I go into works and I want to prove myself, rather than resting in the affirmation of my father's love and of his care for me. There are times like the older brother when I become recalcitrant and stay in my way and I refuse to submit to his will for my life because I think I know what is better for me than what my heavenly father is trying to achieve. But in those moments, I begin to lose out on that relationship that I have always enjoyed. 
But thank God for His grace and mercy. And because I've had the opportunity of knowing what it is to live in my father's house, when I'm in that place of either the younger son or the older son, I can see the difference. And I can realize that you're losing out, son. And many times I have to go back and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I submit to you because your heart is good for me. Sometimes I don't see it. Sometimes I don't appreciate it. Sometimes I can't see everything you're doing. But I can trust and rest in your unfailing love because your heart is good for me. Jesus has paid it all. He's done it all. In Christ Jesus, I see a reflection of who the Father is, who is willing to go to anything it takes to see me come into the fullness of all that the Father has for me. I can trust in that, and I can have confidence in that. But most importantly, it's not just that, but the challenge is that it calls us into fatherhood. It calls us to become an expression of the father heart of our God. It calls me not just to be a younger brother or older brother, but it calls me to be a father, to welcome the younger sons, to entreat the older sons, to bring them all to the table and make sure that they are enjoying all the benefits and the gloriousness. He calls me in that glorious partnership with him on earth to be an expression of my father's heart. That my life will be the one that is challenging the younger and the older brothers and is saying, you're missing out, guys. We need to come back to the table. There is a great provision here. There is an abundance here. There is a mighty blessing that the father has prepared for us, but we need to lay hold of it and to bring a word of challenge and correction and say, son, Daughter, you need to make your way back home. Because all that we need, everything that we need for life and for godliness is being made available for us in Christ Jesus. It is Christ who is at work within us. We're not the one working. The Spirit is working. The Spirit is working within us. Enabling us to become all that our Heavenly Father has designed us and desired for us to be. And that's the ultimate call of God upon our lives. Paul in his letter says to them, you have many teachers, but not many fathers. Because the father's place is different from the place of a teacher. The father walks with you walks along with you, and helps you and brings you. It brings a different perspective, a different heart, and it comes from a very, very different place. And ultimately, as we look to God to bring brethren amongst us, the hurting, to bring people out from the cold, we must become fathers in order to welcome the sons home. The revival that we seek must begin in our heart when God breaks our heart and implants the Father's heart of God in us so that we can welcome the sons and the daughters home into our Father's kingdom. So that as they come in, they experience the heart of our Heavenly Father. Because the work of redemption is not an instantaneous work in this outworking. It's a process of maturing and growing and continuous work until we see him face to face. And he calls each one of us to walk alongside our brethren. 
And sometimes we fail, and I have failed. I know times when I haven't been a good example of my father's heart. I know times when I have not represented him well, as well as I should. But when I realize that, I go back to him and I say, Lord, help me. But my desire, having known and enjoy the Heavenly Father's heart, is to share that with those I come in contact with. Because I know what that did for me. It transformed my life. It saved me. It changed me completely. I went from this rebellious, obstinate, moody teenager, cruel, to this compassionate, loving, caring child with a very, very different perspective of life because of what I've experienced in my father's house. And it breaks my heart when that is not what I represent. It breaks my heart when I see that I'm not expressing my father for who he truly is. And he knows, it says my heart, all I want to do is to be a reflection of him, reflect his heart, because that has saved me. That is still saving me. That is the anchor on which my life is placed. I can face challenges today because I know he owns my life. My life is secure in him. I know that whatever it be, I can say it is well with my soul because I can trust in my heavenly Father's will. And that's why I cry out to him and I say, Lord, do something in my heart. Help me to be a father where you've placed me. That when people see me and when they look at my life, they can see something of your heart and something of who the heavenly Father is. Help me to just be able to show them something of what your love is about and what your care is about and what you want to do as you establish and represent people. So this morning, as we bring in this sort of weekend to a close, I want to challenge us. Where are you in your walk with the Father? More importantly, where is your heart in your engagement with your Heavenly Father? He wants to reveal Himself to us much more than we've ever known. There are deeper things in God. There are glorious things in God. And there is a great adventure in God for us out there. As we look as a community to bring more people into this community. But each one of us must stand up and play our part in submitting to God. I'm not saying here we have to work harder because... Actually, all of that work was not by working harder. It was by submitting to him and let him do his work in you. The sons did not become better sons because they they tried to prove to the father. No, all they needed to do was submit to the father's will. And then the father, by his spirit in them, begins that outworking of who they really needed to be. We are his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. He's the potter. We are the clay. He wants to make us 
He wants to reveal His glory. He wants to show for the beauty of His holiness. He wants to reveal the transforming power of His love. He wants to show the power of grace in each of us. He wants us to be the trophy that is displayed. He wants each one of us to become a vessel of honor in His hands that the world will look at us and know that we have a Father who cares for us and who has done tremendous things in our lives. In spite and despite all the challenges that life throws at us. Because remember where I started from, this is not a promise of a life of bliss. No, this is a promise that our Heavenly Father works with us, fulfills His counsel and His purpose in us. And whatever the lot might be, Paul says, in spite of all I've suffered, is with me. I am running in the strength of the heavenly vision that compels me to continue to do this work irrespective of the challenge that comes my way. His grace is more than sufficient for me. The Bible says they were being slaughtered. They were being killed. They were sent to arenas. But in all of those things, they were still praising and rejoicing because they could see their father's heart for them. And even in the most difficult and challenging places, they had the perspective of heaven. They saw the glory that was before them. And they saw his hands waiting to receive them. Stephen, while he was being told, his Bible says he, he looked into heaven and he caught a glimpse of glory. That was his perspective. That was what he saw. That was what enabled him to fulfill the plan and the purposes of God for his life. Brethren, let's pray. Can we have the band back, please? I would like you to respond in your own heart this morning. For some of us, this work of repentance may necessitate us to have to work with somebody else or speak to somebody else, or make amendment with somebody else. We may need to get into an accountable relationship because the Bible says we should confess our sins one to another. Not in the sense that by confessing to me, I have the power to forgive your sins, but in the sense that by confessing it, we're bringing out to the light and we're allowing the light of God to shine upon it And you're allowing brothers and sisters to walk with you, hold you accountable, so that you can come into the fullness of what God has for you. Whatever the outworking of that repentance, you need to follow through on that. Because that son did not just come back to his senses. He got up and he headed home. On your way home, it will mean different things for different people. But the most important thing is you're headed home. And as you head home, you will meet with your Father's love and acceptance and you will find restoration and recovery. Amen.